everybody. Welcome to the Ordinary Guide podcast, where we talk about discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. Today, we're back for episode three of season two. I'm your host, Gabby, and I'm joined with Hunter and Ruben. Uh Yeah, great to be with you guys. It's been a great season so far. It has. It's been great to be with you guys, talking about discipleship, hearing from Candice was so fun. Yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, it was fun to just revisit some of how we've experienced discipleship in our own, like a deeper dive way. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. It has been. And I'm actually looking forward to today. I think this is going to be really special. Gabby, you want to intro what we're doing today and then we'll jump into it? Sounds great. Today we'll be interviewing our friend Jay Stovall. He's a local church pastor, church planter. His church is going to launch this fall in September. Mm-hmm. So just pretty exciting. Um, just time for him. And we're really looking forward to having this conversation with him today. 100%. Can't wait to hear from him. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us today. We have Jay Stovall with us. What's up, Jay? Hey, hey, what's yeah. going on? Yes. Hey, Jay, we're super excited that you're here with us. We're going to have a really cool conversation with you. But first, I'd love to just have Ruben share a little yeah. bit about you. Yeah, Jay, I'm really glad to introduce you. Uh, Jay and I, I don't how many years have we been friends? Just maybe barely two? two, two over two, over two. Yeah, like two um, and a half years. Going up on three. It's coming up on three, is it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, Jay and That's I have known each other. Of your life. So let's try to try to <laughs> Jay and I have known each other. <laughs> the best almost three years of my life have been knowing Jay <laughs> as a good friend. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I really do feel like we've become good friends, man. Absolutely. I feel like uh, it's been a lot of fun to to get to know you. To I wish I got to know your family more. We live so far from one another. True. That true, can be true. a challenge. Uh, but, man, uh, you, you've been married eight years to Tiffany, right? Yeah. What city did y'all get married in? Oh, we got married in Riverside. Riverside? Yeah. Okay, cool. Good for you guys. That's awesome. Uh, And y'all have four kiddos, which is really fun. Uh, You served as the discipleship pastor at Vantage Point Church in Mm -hmm. Eastvale with Pastor Mark, who's also a good friend of ours. Um, and, And then a couple years ago, you felt like God was kind of stirring you to plant a church and you landed in Redlands, right? Redlands Mm -hmm. is where you're planting portrait church, portrait church. And y'all launch in the fall of 2023, if I know correctly. September 10th. September 10th. Wow, this year. That's awesome. That's great. That's really cool. That's like six months out, man. That's awesome. I know. It feels like it. That's a day different, (laughs) September 9th. 2013 is when we planted Solid Rock Stop. Church. No. So that's it's just awesome. it's just 10 years and a day later. That's awesome. Wow, that's, that's really cool. cool, man. Oh, gee. But, you know, Jay, you've been such a good friend and and, and you really, you're a very gifted leader. And and it's, uh, I think in some ways, it's actually an honor and a privilege to, to just understand and know that the definition of discipleship through the Ordinary Guide has actually benefited you. Because oh, I feel like you have so much yeah. that, that's just really well thought through and healthy. And it's just really encouraging, I think, that this also um, is being used by Jay Stovall at Portrait Church in Redlands, California. So yes. with mm-hmm. that, man, just know we, we love you so much. We're really glad that you're here. And we're, we're excited to talk about discipleship with you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah to totally. To Thanks for being here and honoring us with your story in some ways. So mm-hmm. just to start us off, maybe you can share, Jay, what you first learned about discipleship and what yeah. it meant to follow Jesus. Totally. Yeah, so I, I call it like my 3M upbringing. I grew up um, a minority in a majority culture there was really heavy emphasis on moralism. Mm. And so what I mean by that is like, I mean, you know, uh, and my parents, like they're, they're very open about this, but um, both my parents grew up in like kind of different, two different faith homes and they got pregnant uh, before they got married. And so that was like the big thing, you know, mm. um, probably even more so back then of like, oh shoot, 
that's not the way to go. Mm. So they're like, well, we better we better raise this kid in the church. Almost like, you know, in some ways they were like, shoot, we got to do this the right way now. Yeah. And I think some of that kind of carried over to um, just kind of how I view church in, in some ways in the church that I grew up in. It's just like, yo, you got to be a really good person for God to like really mm. smile at you. Wow. And we mm. grew up, uh, you know, I grew up in a church that preached, you know, the end times and the rapture like every other week. And so your boy was like living in fear. You yeah. know, I'm like, I make a mistake. Wow. I'm like, God, can I actually, can I actually, you know, uh, wow. get right with you? Like I wow. internally, I felt like, no, I got to do at least like three or four good things. And then that'll like cover up. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. just, then Jesus well, will take me. And the then rapture. he's going to take me. Yeah. Cause yes. I'm like, can't get left behind. Right. So, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think a big portion <laughs> of my like Christian life mm-hmm. was like in fear, but not a healthy fear of the Lord. It was just mm-hmm. in fear of how I was performing or living up to it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think I grew up kind of with that emphasis and it kind of carried me on through college. And then I hit like this pivotal moment where I was like working for the state park. Um, if you, if a you state think, park, like in Southern California? Park. Yeah, yeah, Lake Paris. Whoa. So it's like, wait, really? Yeah, I was like 50 Shades of Tan. Yes. Um, like Smokey the Bear. Think Smokey the Bear. Yes. Like only you And can, a really dried me. up lake. And a very dried up yes. lake um, that you did not want anyone <laughs> in to see. Paris, in. California. In Paris. <laughs> and so That's I was awesome. a seasonal worker. I got employed. This is like my first like job. So it was like eight twenty five is what I was making, and that was dollars eight dollars and twenty five cents. That was above minimum oh wage. Too, Whoa! Mind you. So I get employee of the summer, and the <laughs> next employee of the summer like that's an <laughs> yeah, award. That's an award. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And your boy got for it. state parks. I, I got it. And so I get employee of the summer. The next weekend, I get called in. Um, and said, Hey, you're going to have, we need you to come pick up your last paycheck. I'm like, that's weird because I'm not quitting. And so I go in and to make a long story really short, I got arrested because I was associated with the other two black employees that were stealing money. And so they, they said, we know that you're working with them. And I was like, no, I'm not. And like, I'm so confused at this point. So I still have like this DNA in me of like, I can't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And here I am, like I'm getting arrested. And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm a statistic now. Like, and how on earth am I going to explain this to my father? Let alone, like, how does God see me in this moment? And so, and I go and I'm sitting in prison and it's like, Y'all, that's like the size of a dorm room. There's like 17 guys in there. One guy comes in. He's all bloody because he just got in a stabbing match. And I'm like, God, what am I doing here? Stone Cold Steve Austin is like laying underneath my legs. (laughs) And I'm on the phone with like my mom, like just like, hey, explaining everything. And in this moment, I'm sitting in jail and I just feel helpless. Like I feel so Mm. lost. I'm like, I don't know how I got here. God, why would this happen to me? And... I just audibly remember for the first time, like actually sensing the Lord in like a very pure relational way. Mm. I'm just like, hey, man, like I love you, even though you're here, like despite I still love you, but I like want all of your life. Mm. Like you've been Mm. kind of like doing this compartmentalizing, like trying to pretend you're better than you are. Like I Mm. like I actually love you so much in this moment. And I'm just the whole time I'm like, I don't believe that because like of how mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the clearest picture of the gospel probably came when I got bailed out. I'm walking down this like long corridor and it's this long hallway and I see my dad at the end of it. And so if you're listening to this, you can Google Suge Knight, famous old like <laughs> rapper who apparently killed Tupac. That's what they say. Yeah. 
And that's what my dad looked like. And so I was more afraid of my dad than actually being in prison at the time. Mm. And I remember going to the end of it. And it was like this, the way I saw God when I messed up was like his arms were closed. They were looking at me just mm. like mm-hmm. in just such like disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I was fully expecting my dad to do that. And so I walked down this long hallway and I see my dad and he's got open arms and he's like, son, I don't need to know anything. Like I have so much shame in this moment. He's like, I just need you to know that I love you, mm-hmm. that I'm going to walk with you through this, that my love for you does not change. And and we will get through this tomorrow. Wow. Well. He's like, let's just go home and let's rest. But just know how much you're loved tonight. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that, that changed my heart in that moment. It was like, okay, following Jesus is not about these rules to obey. It's about a relationship to cultivate and knowing Mm -hmm. that, man, if I can make it my chief aim to just Mm -hmm. become more like him and learn how he did things, like that's what I want to be about. And so that really kind of led me to a process of having to, um, like (laughs) there's this scene in like the OG Spider-Man, like what's the name? Toby Maguire? Pass. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Where he puts on the venom suit and he's like, got all this power and he's like really feeling himself. Sorry. Feeling himself. is like, uh, he thinks really highly of himself. (laughs) And, um, and so he's like, he's got this new power, but then he recognizes that it's changing who he is. Mm -hmm. And so he needs to take off this like self and put on like this, original Mm. self and that's what it was for me it was like a battle to Mm. like take off this way in which i was living to put on Mm. the original way of like how i was supposed to follow jesus Mm. and that's probably the defining moment that really was catalytic for my life wow Wow. that's so powerful and i i feel like it's so maybe i don't know so complex because you're going that thing i was holding on to was how i wanted to feel safe or accepted Mm -hmm. but it was so like punishing it's like you're going i had to think i had to do like five right things to be accepted by god in any moment wow wow that's amazing man thanks for sharing it totally hits with the paradigms that i feel Mm -hmm. like line up and i don't know i don't want to jump ahead too much but yeah i'm excited to hear how how this connects into the ordinary guide totally (laughs) no totally and thank you for sharing that story and you know that's so powerful and how that shift started for you. Yeah, so yeah. maybe as you've started to incorporate the ordinary guide, what's that been like to, I don't know, just how's that <laughs> totally, been in your story totally. and your journey? Well, yeah, cause I think so much of the ordinary guide was like language that was like deep into my heart that was now, I was like, oh yeah. Like I always believed that. And I have, I, I really kind of feel like I lived from that framework, but now it like mm. it became more That's apparent, cool. you know, it's just like, totally. Even the call to be a pastor, you know, I didn't grow up with pastors in my upbringing or family. But then it was like, as people started to to define things and and share things about me, I look back at my life. I was like, yeah, I was, I low key was pastoring people since like I was a junior in college. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't have language for. It. I didn't recognize it because so much of my life and my faith was again being that minority in the majority complex. Like I was just doing so much performing and so much trying to fit in and a really a lot of suppressing. Cause I felt mm-hmm. like, man, if I say this here, will I be accepted? Or if I do this, or if I have this different opinion, like I will be um, kind of disowned in this space. And so mm-hmm. I really wrestled with a lot of that and, and God was just stripping me of just all these false mm-hmm. uh, idols and a false identity that I had. And so I think with the ordinary God, what it did um, is you know, I, I felt like I was kind of on this island um, of how I saw modern day church planting mm. and what I had a vision for. And 
through God's grace and through connections with people like Hunter and Ruben and other people, it's like God helped form a vision and the type of culture that we would want as mm. a church. But I didn't have language for it because I didn't often mm. see it. And mm-hmm. so the ordinary God, what I really, I, I think what it did for me was it affirmed where God was taking mm-hmm. um, me and and eventually our future church. Um, but it just provided like a brand new paradigm that I actually had language for. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I've been thinking maybe maybe the length maybe this word isn't the same, but like oh this resonates right. like this makes complete sense. It's and cool. even just seeing how God has really formed me over the last you know five years, I would say there's so much of these um, shifts and these mm. um, pillars. I don't know what you guys call it, but it's been mm-hmm. really formative in my journey. So yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. Mm. I, I think I think I I'm I'm with you there. Like there's a there really is a maybe maybe what you're describing to me is like a longing for something different sure, than yeah. the discipleship that we that we grew up practicing. Yeah, yeah. And the ordinary guide has has helped to define that. And and even the definition of it is not the goal. Mm-hmm. The definition of it, I think, being this tool that's helping us towards the goal, which is yeah, I mean, just trying to become like Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that it is so versatile to say, hey, yeah, what we call mission, you might call something different, or what we call even engagement, you might call something different, or initiative, right. you might call something different. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it's all rotating around becoming like Christ, mm-hmm. and and that is pretty beautiful. Totally, that is pretty yeah, beautiful. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really encouraging. You're kind of using the the language of like, hey, this just was, it was right. It resonated with Mm me. And I feel like that's just really encouraging too. You know, you're not a member of Solid Rock. So we, you know, we practice and follow Jesus in different communities, but it's cool that it's just like, that's something that's so like received, you know, it's just like, yes, this is just true to who I am. This is so much permission to follow Jesus and, you know, to use our our word, but to be ordinary in that. Yeah, totally. Just kind of normalizing in that. And it's it's so freeing because... It's like for me, you know, when I think of process over performance or ordinary over exceptional, mm-hmm. right? It's yep. it's so freeing because it's like yeah. we're all in process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I grew up in a culture where, it's, you know, discipleship was so linear and it was like, yeah. how many people are you discipling? And it's like, mm-hmm. but no one would have a definition for that. Wow. You know, and <laughs> I remember at the university that I used to attend, like it was like people would have this goal of because uh, I was an RA so you'd mm-hmm. be in charge of like mm-hmm. a group of residents or a hall and it was like almost this performative goal mm-hmm. of like well I need to share the gospel with every person by this time it'd be like great like the first month of school mm-hmm. everyone needs to hear and so then you're constantly in this performative culture of like well are you doing it are you doing it wow. how many people have you and it's like yo you guys have Sure, you share it with everyone in your hall, but you're a jerk right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like who are you becoming right yeah. now? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so yeah. wow. I think um, for me, what it's done and what I really, really honestly pray that it will do for our church is it'll free a lot of people up. Right. Like when Jesus says his burden is light, mm-hmm. like he yes. genuinely means that. Yeah. yeah. But I think some of the way discipleship and and these things have been defined for people. It just it it's like right. It's it's pharisaical in some ways. We're just mm. tossing 100%. heavy burdens on on people. Mm. And um, so yeah, I just I I really pray that what I've been able to like really hold on to during, with the ordinary God and with the vision God's given us mm-hmm. will just really free a lot of people. Mm. I mean, our vision of our church is to give people a renewed picture of Jesus in His church. Mm. So I really hope this will help renew people's picture of yeah. who they see yeah. Jesus as. 
And, yeah. and, and what comes to mind for me too is like not everyone, well, we've even experienced some of this, mm. but not everyone will like the ordinary guide mm-hmm. and not everyone will believe that it is as liberating and, and freeing mm-hmm. as we portray it to be. There, there's a distinction though that comes to mind for me, which is like, man, when Jesus says that, when he's like, you know, he stands up, it's like, what is it? It's, it's a festival. So there's a lot of people there and he stands up and he's like, come to me, all mm-hmm. you who are, who are heavy laden, who are yeah. weary and I'll give you rest. Yeah. And, 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 oh, and the re- hyper-religious people, they hate it. Yeah. They're like, what is this man doing? You could just see him screeching, just like, just clawing. They're so angry hmm. because of freedom. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. My thought is we live in a culture that has escalated our our do goodery, read your Bible and pray to to holiness. I mean, to, mm. truly to the definition of holiness sure. that that they don't like the thought of what you just shared. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go off scripture a little bit if it's okay. But do it. I'm just like curious what. How do you respond to something like because because as Christians, right? We love the oppressed. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, mm-hmm. and I'll give you rest. And the oppressor, mm. you brood of vipers. So, yeah. so I don't know. Like, how how do you see yourself navigating that as you plant a church? I'm sorry, I know I just kind of went rogue. You're great. Yeah, no, it's a great I'm question. just so curious. So, I think it's a great question. If I'm understanding it correctly, um, I guess we'll find out in my answer. But <laughs> I think so. So yeah, I mean. There's even in this whole church planting journey, everyone kind of paints this binary picture of like, are you a church for lost people? Are you a church for saved people? Right. Mm, which are is you, so crazy. Yeah. Are you huh. a seeker friendly? Are you a right. missional? Oh, wow. I'm like, hmm. what? Like, I just, hmm. I can't stand the binary. So I'm like, hmm. I'm none of the above. I'm a church that's going to follow Jesus and hmm. we're going to make yes. disciples, you know? Um, and so I think, I think where the catch is though, is, and I think it comes to this one word for me practice hmm. i just get this image are you any of you basketball alan iverson like he's a uh-huh, famous, yeah the interview, the interview. interview. Like, practice I know exactly. like we talking about practice mm-hmm. he's like, i'm talking I'd... about the game like no mm-hmm. we're talking about practice oh, oh, I and i think that, that okay. i really think hyper religious people are like oh we're talking about practice mm-hmm. we're talking about the game mm-hmm. and what i'm trying to articulate is like yo jesus already won the game fam yeah, yeah. Like, we don't Come we on. don't live from a place of like yep. we need to step out on the court now yep. we practice because and the thing is people do this all the time like who just uh the chiefs just won the super bowl yep how many people put on jerseys of a team that they literally had no part in the game. They don't mm-hmm. even know like what's. And they don't yeah. even know. Yeah, they just like the colors. Or yeah. like, Mahomes is cute or something, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. right. But like you know how to do that in sports. Yep. Like you know how to put on a jersey and represent a game that you did literally nothing to achieve and win. Yep. And you mm. celebrate that, mm-hmm. but like you can't do that with your faith. Mm. Um. And so yeah, I think I think for me when I think mm. of like that yeah how do we love the pharisee and the yeah i and think the heavy i think it's pushing people to practice mm, okay i really think that's what it is because you're talking about this circular yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it is hey man in this season maybe you're maybe you're found favor with huh. healthy relationships huh. but like like do you rest <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. do you like what are your what are your like everyone has a, a it's, it's trying to create a, a culture, and I've heard this from you, and I use it all the time, where you can bring your person over a persona, right? Sure, And yeah. it's creating that culture where, like, yo, it's actually okay for you to say that, like, you are struggling in this area. Yes. Right? 
um, like it's actually okay. Right. And recognizing like, man, for me, like I want both those people in our church because I like Jesus is the only one who does this perfectly. Truly. Yeah. And so when we are assessing or becoming aware of our engagement, like, like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, like we could all do it right now. And some of us would be better in areas than others. Like, yep. you right. know, it's, yeah. it's just a reality. So yep. I think it's constantly bringing that to the reality. So you don't have people mm. all the time that are complaining. It's mm. like, no, I understand. Like, maybe you want more of like doctrine here, but are you actually practicing loving your neighbor? Yeah. Mm. Right. We talk about that. Yeah. You know, wow. so, I, so I, does that answer your question? I think, I think so. for me, the way I view just those two camps is like, hey, that's all good and dandy, but like, are we actually putting this to practice? Like, I go back to Jesus in Matthew 7, right, right after he gives his manifesto, mm-hmm. and he's like, yo, like, those who put this into practice yeah. are like the ones who what? Build their house on the rock. Yeah. And so I think if we constantly go back to assess that, mm-hmm. um, I think it hopefully would put everyone in a humble posture to say, man, God, like, we all want to build your house on a rock. Mm. Now, some people are just slower builders than others, and mm. some people like to start different places. But like, yeah, you know, mm. yeah. Cool. But I hear you inviting all people. Like, if you're yeah, coming from a very religious background, Jesus is like, "Hey, come and rest, lay that down, come build your house on me." If you're coming from like an irreligious background, it's like, yeah. "Hey, come and come and find like these practices, these yeah, ways that are life giving." So totally. I hear you almost orienting, yeah, with Christ at the center, His yeah. way, His His finished work. No doubt yeah. that like achieves all of this, cements it, you know, invites yeah. it to be done with freedom. But then says, "Hey, wherever you're coming from, totally. like we want to be focused on the way of Jesus to become." like Jesus. think for me personally i have been around enough like really knowledgeable Mm. like uber religious people like Mm. they just know a lot and even in conversations with them hearing you know i haven't shared the gospel with anybody in like years Mm. but like you know so much Mm. and like i just think if we if we were all honest like I think, man, when you have conversations with people, when you hear their stories, and when you think about this framework, like, dude, again, no one's doing it perfectly. Yeah. The goal is, pro- right? It's process. Yes. Mm. It's process. Yep. We're all in process. And so, to be honest, like, the person who doesn't think they're in process, I think there's an issue there. And maybe mm. we got to talk about that. You know, yeah. it's yep. called pride, you know? Yep. And so, mm. um, yeah, I think it's just constantly putting that. And, and I think we have to model that. It's I good. think as leaders, like, we mm-hmm. need to model that. So, yeah. 100%. Totally. I like what you're saying. It's like process is such an equalizer and it's also so like awareness building. And yeah. Helps oh, just totally. Kind of call to the present. I love that. It's an equalizer. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, as you share, um, you know, your own story and even as you consider the lives of others, um, I don't know, Jason, I'm going to jump in with you. What category for you, I want to say, has been the most different, transformative, as you've learned about the ordinary guide categories being like relationships, mission, disciplines, or rhythms? Yeah, I think rhythm has been. um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, over the last probably eight months of my life, I think God has really, um, you know, as you guys have your subcategories, and as I've understood, like, it's this rhythm of just 
like we work, we rest, we, we mourn, um, we celebrate. Um, and yeah, I think God is like, because of my default performative nature, um, rhythm is hard because hmm. rhythm often feels mundane hmm. and it feels very ordinary. Yeah. yeah. And for someone who's very performative, like, no, sometimes I actually like pursue the exceptional and the non-ordinary things. And what it does is it is it, it doesn't allow for rhythm to take place because it mm. often leads me to a place of hurry because mm. I'm not prioritizing well. It leads me to a place of exhaustion. Yeah. Mm. And those things are really um, like incompatible with loving people well. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've God has in many ways forced me into looking at rhythms and understanding that rhythms actually even can look differently. Like, I think I had this picture of rhythms where it's like, you know, every day from seven to this time, we do this and this. Right. It's like structure. And it's like, yeah. again, that could really easy quickly get into legalism and being very yeah. performative. Mm. And so I had to like really assess that in a way where it's like, nah, God is like actually calling me to, to hold all these things in tension. You know, it's, uh, I was watching, um, it just made me think right now, I was watching Inside Out with my, with my kids. Yeah. Um, and in that movie, what I find so fascinating is they don't want sadness to touch a core memory. Mm. Like Joy, who controls everything, mm-hmm. is like obsessed with not allowing sadness to touch it because mm-hmm. they know that when sadness touches it, it's going to ruin something. Mm. And they have attributed to her core memories and stuff being ruined because sadness touched the core memory. Wow. But the reality is you can't experience, you You can hold those two things in tension. Yeah. And like she had, she, you know, they have these island core uh-huh, memory uh-huh. islands and like yeah. those only get produced because things had to change and hmm. things had to get broken down because sadness actually needed to touch them. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's like, man, I just, I think I'm recognizing that I can hold a lot of these things together and not have to feel like I need to be somewhere else or like, it's okay to establish these rhythms where it's like, yeah, you know what, this, like today's been really good and we're going to celebrate it. And then I got not the great, great news on something the next day. And it's like, nah, this is actually really sad. Like it doesn't change how quote unquote good I'm doing spiritually because I had a sad day. It's just like, no, it's part of the Christian life. Like it's just, it's part of it. And so just Mm. recognizing, um, yeah, just recognizing that that's okay. And -hmm. that those rhythms should be pursued and should wow. be talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I, we even just had a conversation of like, yo, we, we didn't talk about, um, like we didn't talk about sad things growing up. Hmm. Like, like, you know, coming to a place like this yeah. is like, mm-hmm. yo, how, how bad was your day today? Or did something make <laughs> you upset or set you yeah. up? And so we've even tried to figure out like, how do we actually practice these things where it's like, no, nah, let's just talk yeah. about what makes us frustrated or sad or how we That's navigate cool. in that. So, yeah. Hmm. Wow. I think we're all just sitting in it because we resonate. <laughs> I resonate with that same experience and journey of having to say, God, can sadness <clears throat> and mourning like genuinely be a part of my discipleship? Or do you only connect in faith if I'm happy, if I'm sure. only celebrating, if it's only victorious, if it's only the win? Or can you actually care for me in 
a moment of lament or sadness? Yeah. And can I learn to then even share that with the people around me and yeah. see that, that Jesus, you, you're caring for me in that place. You understand, you, you lead with empathy. You care for me with empathy, but then you even invite me into a community of your people that, that that's what you've invited us to learn to do together. Absolutely. So man, I really, I just admire you, you for even sharing that and, and being willing to model that and step into that space personally with your family, with the people you're leading. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's encouraging, man. Thanks yeah, for sharing thank that. You. Thank you. Hmm. You're starting to share about this a little bit, Jay, about you and your wife talking through mourning and just kind of opening up that reality in your life. But is there another way that your life's rhythms have been changed right now? Maybe you can just, I don't know, share specifically just for people listening what it's like for you to be participating in rhythms. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think because uh, my default performative nature and wanting to be impressive and wanting to get ahead, Sabbath has been so mm. important and rest. Mm. So you know, Friday, um, starting at six, like we'll, we'll start, uh, at dinner time and like, we will have Sabbath until six the next day. That's just what works for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because being a parent of like four really young kids, mm. like Oof. I had to, uh, again, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? How do you do a Sabbath from yeah, six you, to six with four little kids? Yeah. I mean, you don't really Stumbling. do it all that well. It's not, again, <laughs> yeah. you're not focused on performance. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's really intentionally, like, I remember the first time, y'all, we had Sabbath, like, we, again, it was not part of my wife and I's culture, so, yeah. but we, wow. as we studied it more, and as we, like, sat in it, and as we were feeling the tensions in our soul, it's like, now we want to create intentional time, so we, like, light a candle, say a prayer, I do a blessing over the kids, and my and my son's like, Dad, I, I, re- I got a really big poop, man. <laughs> I'm like, really, man, like, right now, in this moment. And then the whole table's laughing. Everyone's talking about poop. And I'm like, it's the Sabbath, y'all. Like, you're not allowed to poop for 24 hours. And, um, but it just, you know, it reminded me, like, I heard this lady say something that, like, really stuck with my wife and I. And she said, parenting is like your kids watching you grow up. Mm. And it made me think, yo, right now, this is not for my kids. This is for us. Mm. Like, if we think, like, oh, when everyone turns seven or eight, right. or nine, that's when we're going to. No, like, we, we need to practice this now mm-hmm. um, because mm. they're being formed in a lot of ways, you know. Uh, so Sabbath has been really important rhythm for us. Like, we have an, I have a nighttime rhythm with the kids where we do the Lord's Prayer every night. And... Um, trying to find like different liturgical like mm-hmm. things. I guess, mm-hmm. I, again, I didn't grow up in these spaces, so I'm yeah. like, I'm like, how do I blend hip hop and liturgy? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to find all these things that are more true to me, or like country um, music. And no, liturgy? not country music. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> actually, I will say. Uh, like cleaning, 80s, 80s pop. cleaning to country music is phenomenal. What? Phenomenal. That's you should so try it. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. You should try it. Our you pass. should try it. So, um, but you know, it's awesome. really fascinating. Like this, this is what like showed me. So, uh, in the room, I have a five-year-old about to be four-year-old. So he's three and my two-year-old son. And mm. really, I wanted to do the Lord's prayer for my five-year-old daughter. It's really just trying to, cause she has a phenomenal memory right now. So I wanted to just yeah. practice these rhythms. And, uh, so one day I go, okay, baby girl, I'm not going to, um, like, I'm going to say part of it, but then I want you to fill in the, fill in the, fill in the sentence, right? Just, we're just trying to make it fun. So I started doing that with her. And then I noticed my two-year-old literally knows the whole thing. No, we've been doing this for a week. Wow. And I'm just like, I'm blown away because I'm not even thinking about how formative this mm. is for him. Because I'm just so focused on her and her age. And and it just like opened up this whole paradigm shift for me for thinking, 
no, like I need to like these are these ordinary moments. Like mm. I kind of made that moment with my daughter a little bit more exceptional than it needed to be. Mm. Um, Over spiritualized it a little bit, but like I made it very ordinary for my two year old. My yeah. school doesn't. He's not gonna understand. Yeah, mm. and he's sitting here saying it wow. word for word, wow. and I was like, wow, mm. okay, God, like sitting into these practices, mm-hmm. sitting into these rhythms, man, they're so formative. And I need to be okay with the mundane and because I don't want to do it every night. But it's like, no, it's like sometimes there's something very exceptional in mundane things. And we yes. have to be okay with that. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are just a couple of little stories. That's cool, Jay. That's super encouraging. It's like the meaning and maybe just getting through it, right? With four little kids, it's just, you know, unexpected, but the meaning that comes mm-hmm. through that's really powerful. Yeah. I know you're kind of touching on this in a couple of different ways, but for you, is there a discipleship challenge that you're facing right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, even in the tension that I have within my own life and, and we are kind of talking offline uh, about this, it's, it's helping people see the beauty in ordinary mm-hmm. and things don't need to be like what what's what I feel like is often like really celebrated or encouraged is like speed and like yep. viral yeah. and just um like these like yeah you guys have talked about like these crazy exceptional moments and not to say that those are bad I think I mean there's a great book called The Power of Moments and I think that it's helped even reframe mm-hmm. reframe some of the ways that I um like create moments even for my kids to like remember things that are hmm. like hope, help them see God in some senses hmm. or help them see like, you know, our family dynamic and a vision for our family. But I think what I've recognized um, specifically because I'm a church planter is the way people see the the start of a church or how that's supposed to go. And, and so much of it is around how the church is doing or the building that I have, the, mm. the how many service times, like yeah. these numerical successes, which, you know, numbers aren't bad, but the heavy emphasis, like where you place the question in our conversation yeah. is very telling yeah. to me. So if you lead with that, that tells me that's really important to you. Like most people don't lead with like, man, how are you being informed by Jesus and how is that going to influence your church? Wow. Like yeah. no one leads with that. Dang. They mm-hmm. lead with where's your building? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many people do you have right now? Mm-hmm. And and so I think what I've a discipleship thing and even what I've tried to do with my team is like, it's like, no, nah, like we need to marinate with some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I even think in one of the episodes, Ruben, you were talking about that as well, like just how we need to um I'm probably going to butcher it, but just like how we even need to be less performative in how we intake some of this stuff and practice mm. some of these things. Like slow is okay. Mm. Yes. Like it's okay. And so I think that's the tension. It's like mm. you think like a church plant, everyone talks about how you got to launch and how everything's got to be so much fuel to start and everything is like so heightened. But I'm like, but I low key just want to start slow. Yeah. And is mm. that okay? Mm. Like, no one will tell me that's, I mean, Ruben will probably tell me that's okay. But like, you know, and so, but the way people think slow is like, oh, lazy. Mm. So again, that comes back to like my default performative thing. Cause like, I don't want to be the black lazy guy. Cause there's mm. like this category that some people have for someone like me. And now being a pastor that I have to wrestle with culturally and to say, no, like, yeah, Jesus is going to lead this. And, um, I need to disciple my team in a very slow, methodical way because we've been formed differently in our world right now. Yes. And we need some very ordinary 
consistent, formational, repetitious things that we need to embody before we're going to tell anybody else to do it. And before we're going to lead well and healthy yeah. like with anybody else. And so, yeah, I just I, I told my team, like, I don't want us to grow at the expense of our health. Yeah. Like as a as a launch team. Mm. And some people may say that's foolish. Some people may say, like, well, that doesn't mean you have the right strategy. But at the end of the day, it's like. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean, like God has led us on this path and guide and I'm just going to trust that that's what that's where he's calling us. So mm. totally. Well, I just hear that you, answer your question. Totally. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just hear a heart to make disciples, you know, that sure. that's not, you know, as much about the crowd as it is about disciples and seeing people ordinarily following Jesus to become like him and really yeah. be able to say that. Cause yeah, totally. you started this conversation. One of the things you said was like, Hey, growing up, people were like, who are you discipling? You know, and how many people and how much and how big, but yet people didn't even have a definition or ways to then yeah, explain sure. how that played itself out. And what I hear you now saying is like, well, I really want real people that I know to be able to talk about it and mm -hmm. to talk about it because they're experiencing it and totally. to experience it because there's a framework and there's a yeah, community and there's absolutely. an emphasis on that. And there's even a, a good way that's been put forward in this. And mm -hmm. man, that's a, uh, yeah, I just, I have a lot of respect for that, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I get that. I, I see it all over scripture and yeah, it's beautiful. I have a, uh, I have a mentor who said, uh, Rich, he said that, um, your definition of the gospel and discipleship will determine the scope of your mission. Mm. Mm. And so it's like, man, we got we we got to understand how we define this and how we're pursuing this, and that's going to determine like mm. how we live these things out. And mm. so, um, in a world today where it's like it's hard to get on the same page with like how we define things and how we pursue things, like I don't think I I rarely think people understand the hard work that goes into making sure. Like I imagine, I I listen to y'all, like you guys have so many years under your belt of friendship, and it's taking you. To this point to be able to like define something that you guys have all experienced in some way shape yeah. or form and now i just imagine the clarity that you have as to how you lead how you lead your families how you lead the church and it's like because there's clarity around a shared definition a shared vision you know what i mean and it yeah. takes a long time mm -hmm. like especially right now to to come to that you know, conclusion together. So hmm. uh, yeah. it does. I, I think I, I I was reading something on on friendship recently, and and Eugene Peterson when he was asked like, how do you define friendship? Actually, Bono asked him, how do you define friendship? And uh, and Eugene Peterson he said as vocation, and hmm. and that stood out to me. He's like, oh wow, that's that's like something you do at least forty years and then retire from, I guess. But the concept being, it's lifelong. So I think discipleship, when it comes to what we are doing and what we even want to see done, it, it's vocation. Yep. It's like, hey, this is this is going to take forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. I mean, our forever. Yeah, totally. Right. I mean, it's literally going to take our our forever. Yeah. Wow. I think your team's really blessed to have you, Jay. I think what a unique yeah. time to be six months out from launching to be at the start of something that you want to have. Obviously, so much scope, but longevity yeah yeah so i just think your team's really blessed to have you and nice. your future church members are blessed to have mm -hmm. you as a leader yeah i yeah. appreciate that yeah so what's your final word of encouragement for people who are trying out the ordinary guide interested in it what's your word of encouragement for them yeah i would just say uh do it ordinarily for months before you try and put it in to mm -hmm. teach somebody else or you know i don't I imagine people that listen could be other leaders or just could be, you know, people that go to a church or maybe 
just like you guys so that I all listen to this, you know. Um, but yeah, just just implement it in your own life, hmm. you know, before you implement it into, you know, your marriage or your family. Like, because I, I think, I just think for me, right, like I'll, I'll learn something and I'm like, yo, Tiff's got to learn this. <laughs> she's got to yeah. hop on the yeah. bandwagon with me here. Yeah. And, like, and it's like, but I haven't allowed it to like really change me in a way where she sees it and she's like yo what's going on there you know mm-hmm. like it's so again it becomes very performative for me and it's like you know it's it sometimes kind of can be power driven um where i just have to say no like i i need this to like sit with me and i need this to like change me first mm. before because you can't give someone something you don't possess yeah. right or you can't tell someone to go down a road right it's like these are leadership like old leadership fables, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. take people where you haven't gone, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, mm. I think what I would say is, you know, wherever you're at, it's just um, take that first initial step and just put it into ordinary practice. And yeah. just know that, like, <laughs> we all worship something. Like, mm. we're all being formed by something or yep. someone. Yeah. And so if you ordinarily put these things into practice, you just have to trust that, you will be formed more into the image of Jesus. Yeah. But also know that there's like this terminology of like this J curve where it may be hard at first because you recognize, like that's what was hard for mm-hmm. me. I had to recognize with a lot of this stuff that like, yo, I'm actually not as good and spiritual as I intended to be. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm actually more sinful than I realized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I realize that with every kid that's born, every year of marriage that goes by. But I think mm. the change is like when you understand the gospel, like you can see your sin for what it is, but then you can see like the cross much more mm. like loftier than what it is. So like you're not you're not led then to shame, but you're led to worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a great distinction that you can make is like, mm-hmm. man, when you realize that like you're ch- like you're not good at healthy relationships or mm. you really suck at mourning, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Like worship, worship God because he's really good at it Mm -hmm. because his grace sustains you and don't go to shame. And so I think you got to actually put that into practice because I think more people need this um, Mm. than they realize. But they need people who are doing it um, in a way that's going to leave people more impressed with Jesus than them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's such a good word. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. A good reminder again that the tool isn't the aim, Yeah, but Jesus is our aim. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been awesome. Jay, thank you so much for being here and blessing us. Such an honor. Yeah. It was great, Jay. Thank you, dude. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Wow, that was an awesome conversation. Dude. I mean, truly. Yeah. We just needs to do the podcast yeah. for sure. Can we <laughs> hire so Jay? Good. Yeah. So good. No, so but good. He really so thoughtful. gets it though. Yeah. yeah. He, he just really gets the 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 ordinary guy, which mm-hmm. is really encouraging. Hundred yeah. percent. Even how like quickly how much alignment there was. It's it's encouraging to see again that this isn't something like we've come up with. I think we have a language and some unique language that we use for it. But it this really is the ancient historic way of Jesus that I think has existed from the very beginning that I'm excited to get to rediscover and participate in with you guys and then even hear about Jay and how that's happening in a really life-giving way for him and and his church. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I think so many of us are still kind of working through that paradigm of like Christian leaders or like pastors have to be a certain way. So it's just so cool to meet with, you know, have conversations with someone like Jay just to feel Mm -hmm. so like we're connected in discipleship together. I feel like it's so normalizing. Yeah. So it's just a great point. Yeah. Great 
conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. If any all out in that area, visit Jay, connect Aww. with Red, uh, connect with Redlands, connect with or Portrait Redlands. Church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On mission. Yeah. <laughs> connect with the city. Um, yeah. But seriously, connect with Jay, reach out to him, uh, follow him, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I follow Jay. I learned Absolutely. from Jay. He's, he's an awesome, awesome leader. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well, thanks everybody for joining us today. We're really glad that you were with us and we hope that our conversation today gave you permission to go at your own pace and follow Jesus. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at the ordinary underscore guide and you can find the ordinary guide and our other resources on our website, which is www.theordinaryguide.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us.